Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Hey, it's the show that runs as smoothly as Daniel Jones going for the end zone. Inside Sports on 6.30 Chad Oilers and Double E Radio. Man, did you see that? The quarterback for the New York Giants all alone trips on his way to the end zone. I feel for the guy on national television. He'll be back. He'll be back. I felt like watching that, though, that that sums up my golf game. That that's that was the physical embodiment of my golf game. Hey, this is going on. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's how I felt. That was the NFL game last night. That was on television. The good old debate was on television. Oh, and I know what I was excited about. Star Trek Discovery. That's uh, that's what I watched last night after I got off the air. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. The weekend is underway, I hope. If you're still working or maybe you got to work tomorrow, that's okay. Thanks for checking in anyway. Happy to hear from you. You can call or text 780-496-0063. That is the number to call or text tonight. Now, a few things I want to hit on here. First of all, Mike Russo, the uh, excellent reporter from The Athletic who covers the Minnesota Wild, has uh, written a really good article today. It was posted on The Athletic's website in the last couple of hours. He spoke to Deputy Commissioner of the NHL, Bill Daly, about next season. And look, obviously nothing is is concrete. So many questions. He touched on a lot in this story. The, the, the travel in and out of Canada, is that going to be allowed what's going to happen with the border and what's going to happen with the possibility of an all Canadian division, things like that. Now Russo did report. I'm going to, I'm going to read what exactly what he wrote here. He's he wrote, and this is not a quote from daily. This is something Russo wrote. One option that seems to be gaining traction includes starting next season in four hub locations with modified bubbles that wouldn't be walled off or nearly as strict. This would require temporarily realigning the league and hoping at some point that all 31 arenas could open with some semblance of fans in the stands. Now, uh, Daly has uh, said to Russo in this article, if I'm being I'm being honest when I say there is no likely scenario. In other words, I couldn't pick one. I could identify 10 to 12 scenarios for you right now, and I wouldn't be able to pick a likely scenario. So as we move along here with the National Hockey League, we know that it's all speculation, that nothing is certain, but it is interesting some talk again about perhaps some sort of modified bubbles because we've been hearing a lot really since the playoffs ended, even late in the postseason, that the players were not going to do any sort of bubble, but maybe there could be uh, four hub cities where players go in for a couple of weeks and play games, and then they get to go home for a while. And maybe even the, the hub cities would change along the way. I think that's a possibility too. We've talked a lot about the Canadian division. I've speculated a lot. And, and again, this is purely me speculating, but I think it's something that just makes logical sense that whenever the NHL decides on a start date for the season, do they put out an incomplete schedule? 
Do they say, okay, we're going to have a 50-game season. Here's the schedule for the first 26 games, just to pick a number, and we'll schedule the final 24 games once we see what happens with the pandemic and travel restrictions and allowing fans into the arena. And uh, maybe the first half of the season, the Oilers would be in a Canadian division and only play the other Canadian teams. And then maybe in the second half of the season, it would open up and they could travel a little bit more and have more uh, more variety of competition. So just interesting that that was... Uh, that was written today, so something to keep in mind as we move along. Now, the uh, NHL general managers uh, had a meeting today, obviously virtually. Um, I, I, one thing that was discussed was possibly tweaking the draft lottery. It did change a few years ago after the Oilers picked first overall three times in a row, and then they included the top three uh, or pardon me, they, they 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 picked three teams instead of one, so they determined the the top three picks in the first round by the lottery, which didn't stop the Oilers from winning first overall again. By the way, but this season you look at a team like Detroit that just had a, a horrific year. I mean, under three hundred points percentage, and they dropped down to fourth. So I think there's some consideration here that perhaps it's only. Uh, some talk about maybe only allowing the four or five worst teams into the draft lottery and maybe having some kind of a rule. And this has come up before, especially after the Oilers got those consecutive picks that, that uh, if, if you get a first overall pick, if you win the draft lottery and get a first overall pick that then you cannot pick a first overall again for say three years. You know, maybe you'd still go in the lottery, and if you were drawn, you you couldn't move up all the way to first. That's the, and even the Rangers benefited from that the last couple of years, moving up to second uh, to get Capocacco, and then moving up to first this year to take Alexis Lafreniere. So that is is another thing to remember. Just uh, just some things that appear to be being discussed by the big wigs of the National Hockey League. I also want to note uh, yesterday I had a note that I read that the NBA was looking at starting January 18th. Well, today there's a story that says the NBA is looking at restarting on December 22nd. As you know, the NBA always plays games on Christmas Day. For the last several years, they have had a quintuple header, five games on Christmas Day. So they'd start on the 22nd, lead into their big Christmas Day, and they would be looking at going 70 to 72 games. So the NHL often will sort of mimic the NBA a little bit, I don't think the NHL is getting to 70 or 72 games. NBA, it, it appears at the moment that's what they're targeting for. And they, of course, only have to worry about one team crossing the border. And maybe the Raptors, as the Blue Jays had to do, playing home games in Buffalo. Um, the Canadian teams in MLS. Uh, I mean, Toronto, a- after Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver played each other for a while. And then when they went on to play American opponents, what Toronto's been playing um, in Hartford, um, Vancouver's been playing in Portland and I believe Montreal has been playing in uh, in the New York Red Bull Stadium in New Jersey. So maybe the Raptors would have to wind up finding another city if they couldn't move back and forth across the border. So there's a little bit of update on uh, all the speculation about the NHL with a little bit of NBA thrown in too. Chris Russell earlier this week signed a one-year contract extension with the Edmonton Oilers worth $1.25 million. He was on with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now earlier today and uh, look back on last season. Yeah, I think you always have to look at the whole body, I think. Um, like you said, I think we definitely made some steps forward. But then, you know, you look at the Chicago series, there's obviously a ways to go for us. So, um, you know, we've got to set the bar a little bit higher now. Um, 
we can't uh, we can't take any shift periods off, right? Because especially in the way that playing was, you know, you lose the first game, that's a big deal in a five-game series. So um, depending on how the situation comes to this year, I don't know how they're going to do it, if it's going to be the shortened season or what what the deal is. But, like, um, you know, as a group, we have to be ready from the start and, you know, make sure we maintain some momentum. All right, a little bit there from Chris Russell. We'll drop in some more cuts as we move along tonight. Justin Turner has opened the scoring in the top of the first in Game 3 of the World Series with a solo homer, one nothing for the Dodgers. We'll talk. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Some baseball with the local boy who went on to pitch in the bigs, former Montreal Expo, Mike Johnson, when we get back. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, 19 minutes after 6. I'm pleased to welcome back to the show a guy who spent most of his Major League Baseball career pitching for the Montreal Expos. Remember them? He now runs the five-tool fieldhouse here in Edmonton. It is the one and only Mike Johnson. Mike, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing great. It's nice to talk to you again. How are things going at the five-tool fieldhouse, buddy? Uh, it's 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 not baseball weather outside, so hopefully people can hop in and get going hardcore at the fieldhouse. Yeah, it's not too, it's not uh, it's going pretty good. Um, obviously, everybody would like to be a little bit busier, but based on the circumstances, it's been pretty good. We got our our NAX baseball program up and running, and that's been going really well. And about to start some youth programs here, so hopefully. Parents are looking to keep their kids busy, and we got some programs for them this uh, this winter. Uh, compare you coming up in the Edmonton area, playing uh, little league baseball and developmental baseball, and I know that you had a lot of great coaches and teammates along the way. But but certainly, uh, I would think the development and facilities like Five Tool Fieldhouse that this generation might have a leg up on where you would have been at that age. Oh, for sure. I mean, I was just actually talking to our guys, even a couple couple days ago just saying like nothing against like the the guys that we had coaching i mean they volunteered their time they did a great job with us and obviously everybody really enjoyed playing but um it's nothing like what is available just even around the province around the country and and uh and around edmonton a lot of good uh a lot of good places for kids to go and competition's high but uh, but the quality coaching is, is really good and that's what uh, we're looking to do here at the Fieldhouse also by bringing Todd Betts, who was on a couple of weeks ago with you guys, and bring some professional experience and, and guys that have been around and and uh, have experienced what these guys want to experience where these guys want to go. So it, uh, it's, it's pretty exciting for the area. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And uh, I tweeted out the link there to Five Tool Fieldhouse so people can give it a Google. Awesome facility. Okay, Mike, you were uh, you were a pitcher. You were a starting pitcher. There's this thing in baseball now called the opener where a reliever will pitch maybe an inning, maybe two innings, maybe three innings. In game two of the World Series, 
the uh, the Dodgers starting pitcher, such as he was called because he started the game, pitched an inning and a third. And the Dodgers used seven different pitchers to get through the nine innings. Uh, this is <laughs> there's always changes in sports. This is a pretty big one to me. I mean, as a guy who started, what do you think of this concept? Um, well, I understand the concept, and so like, I think the, the the main basis behind it is you're trying to bring like a almost like a high pressure guy in for one for one for that first inning, go through the top part of the lineup, and then your starter comes in and faces the bottom part. So it actually gives you like an extra inning of facing guys because that's what everybody's like petrified of these days is third time through the lineup. Well, now really you're going to, your, your starter, who's one of your best guys and that you're leaning on for, for length throughout the game can face those guys three times, even though he's only facing them twice, if that makes sense. So, but for me, I mean, you got guys that are starters. Like I don't think guys are, I don't think guys are, given a chance to go deep enough and the only time i've now seen it and i loved it was when dusty baker went out and talked to granky and granky ended up staying in the game and gave length got through that inning and i think they actually ended up winning that game but i mean guys have such a quick hook and in a long series where you don't have a lot of days off i think the mar i think not the marlins but the uh but the rays played like 11 games or 12 games in 13 days or something like that like your bullpen's gonna wear out you need some length out of your starters and if they're going good, I'm, it's just my opinion. Too many managers manage with analytics and and numbers instead of gut feel, which is what Dusty Baker did, and I loved it. Yeah, I, I miss the day, and I and I'm not saying there aren't complete games, but there there is not enough of letting a starter work through it and be a horse for for six or seven innings. Mike Johnson joining us at Inside Sports. The 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 payroll discrepancy. Uh, we're looking at around 120 million for the Dodgers, about 27 million for the Rays. Let me ask you this: uh, I mean, you've been in big league locker rooms. W- would the Rays use that as a rallying point, or? You know, like let's knock off these the guys that are making way more than we are, or would that not even be discussed? I don't necessarily know. I mean, everybody's talking about the Dodgers being the juggernaut, but I mean, I think people quickly forget that the Rays were the best team in the American League. So the two best teams in each league are facing each other right now, and even teams are thinking like, oh well, it should have been the Yankees, should have been here. The Rays had the best record and were the best team in the American League. So I don't think. I mean, again, it's all speculation and what I kind of think, but I'm sure they're not going in there going, oh, we're facing the Dodgers to make all this money. They're going in, the Dodgers are facing the best team from the American League, and they have every right to be there, and based on the series so far being 1-1, they're showing that they should be there. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned the Dodgers have jumped out to a lead here tonight. Uh, Before I let you go, how how do you put a wrap on what the Blue Jays were able to do? You know, a shortened season, but they got in postseason with a with a couple games some exciting younger players do you, i mean can you because it was such a shortened season do you do you evaluate the the highs the same way as you would over 162 games um well obviously like making it's hard it's hard to determine because i mean 162 games i mean that is that's that's a marathon season like and you're going to go through ups and downs and for here, like, if you have a good stretch of, like, 20 games, well, that's a third of your season. So I know the Blue Jays, like, started out, like, really well or had kind of that that month and a half of playing really good baseball and then kind of teetered off a little bit at the end. But, 
I mean, it was great. It's always great for Canada when the Blue Jays make the playoffs because it brings excitement around the game. So from that standpoint, it's outstanding. As far as what I think of the team itself, it's obviously still missing a couple pieces. You got to think about the teams in a regular season, like who they're competing against. They're competing against the Red Sox, who obviously had a bad year, but they're going to get better because they're going to spend money to get better. You always have the Yankees, um, Orioles are kind of hit and miss, and you got the Rays, who, again, were the best team in baseball in the American League this year. So they're in a tough spot. They have some young players, but, I mean, for all those young players to kind of pan out is a tough thing to do. They're missing some, I think they're missing some pieces on the pitching side as far as, like, probably another starter. But on the same on the same side, watching a lot of games this year, it kind of alludes back to what I was talking before is, in my opinion, Montoya's got to let those guys go, and he's got to ride his horses for the beginning of the game and save that bullpen because otherwise it's going to get exposed over a long series. Yeah. Hey, Mike, I know it's busy. I, you know, I know you were uh, you were running some seminars and teaching kids this afternoon. Uh, Five Tool Fieldhouse is doing great. Thanks for checking in here on Inside Sports. Always love your, your look at baseball with us, buddy. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. That is Mike Johnson checking in tonight. Of course, uh, started his big league career, had a bit of a stint with the uh, Baltimore Orioles, and then played for the Expos. Good to talk to him. Yeah, I'm not sure I like this opener concept in Major League Baseball. I like my I like my thinking my starters are going to go at least six innings. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We're back after the news. <laughs> find my podcast in the cupboard next to the chips bottom of the second dodgers leading tampa bay one nothing next hour of the show we're gonna have madison willen on the show from the u of a pandas hockey team unfortunately they will not have a canada west season but uh, it'll be great to catch up with madison we've had her on the show before she was the u sports rookie of the year last year for women's hockey she is also a member of the canadian national baseball team and I believe she also won the club championship at the Derrick Club this summer as we bring John Shannon onto the show. Good to have you back on the show. Geez, kids these days, John, eh? When, when are they going to get off the couch and do something? Reed, how are you, man? <laughs> I, I'm, doing, I'm doing great. It's good to have you on the show again. We haven't talked for a few weeks. How have you been, buddy? What have you been up to? You know what I have really enjoyed? Uh, the baseball playoffs. I, I got to tell you that uh, I, I, I usually do get in, get into it, and uh, this year more, uh, almost more than ever, uh, the baseball has been spectacular. And I, a little bit of me, I've become a little bit of a Rays fan because of it. Oh, uh, how come? How come them? I mean, they did knock the Blue Jays out. Yeah, who cares about that? I mean, I just think that when you what what they continually do with a ton less money than anybody else, uh, and they seem to just develop player after player of, uh, of pure quality, whether it's Lau or Wendell or any of these guys, it's it's absolutely fantastic. Well, you sounded like you were describing the Montreal Expos, who usually would draft well and develop well, but then lose the players once they got really good. Well, and, and, and the interesting thing is, is that um, 
Tampa, I mean, I'm sure Evan Longoria left, but Tampa seems to be able to keep them for a little longer, at least in time to win a championship before they have to trade them or they lose them to free agency when you consider a guy like David Price as well. Oh, right, yeah, that's a good point for sure. Uh, like I mentioned, one nothing Dodgers in the bottom of the second. John, I, I want to talk about some of the hockey news, but let's let's keep on the baseball theme because you and I have often started rapping about your uh, your broadcasting career. Obviously, we've talked a lot about hockey, a little bit about NBA, the Olympics, uh, football. What, what, about, uh, what about with baseball, Major League Baseball? Did you ever get heavily involved in any of those broadcasts? No, I didn't because... Uh, uh, of where I lived, you know, I lived in Western Canada. There was no Major League Baseball team, and by the time I moved to Toronto, I was so heavily involved in in hockey and basketball that I and and the baseball world was, you know, the baseball world is one unto itself. And and let's face it, Reed, from a television perspective, baseball's philosophy is much different than hockey or basketball or even football where for those three sports, the producer's really in charge, uh, but in baseball, it's a director's sport. And the director, uh, who is more like the coach rather than the general manager, the director who cuts the cameras uh, becomes the third manager uh, of, the, uh, of the event between the, the two managers, the home manager, the away manager, and then the director who's deciding uh, what to see and when to see it. So it, it truly was a director's sport as opposed to a producer's sport, which the other three are. Well, I was talking a few days ago, and a lot of the baseball for me, John, has been having it on like it is now in, in, in a TV in the room I'm broadcasting from, so I'm not I'm not hearing it. But I, I have really noticed that I miss all the cutaways to nervous fans. I know there are a few fans here for the for the World Series, but that's the drama that can help for me, drive baseball as a television event because there is a lot of downtime, obviously, between pitches, but you got the uh, the kid chewing his fingernails, the guy who can't watch sure. and has his hoodie pulled up over his eyes, but that that part of the drama is taken out of this series. And, and in, 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 that, in many ways, was so true um, with, 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 all, with the other two sports that worked in bubbles, too. Um, and, and to me, what we saw was uh, extraneous and extra replays that weren't really necessary, the reaction shot of the coach, the reaction shot of the player, which we already saw live anyway, or the reaction shot in, when it came to the NBA of uh, LeBron James's and a 12-year-old daughter or, or his wife or his father. You, you, they actually, in many ways, in my own opinion, they actually abused it because we saw it too many times and didn't make it special because they had no opportunity to show those crowd shots that you talked about. I mean, we, we, you know, it's funny. We, we think and we talk about the sporting event between the players, but it, the event is bigger than the game, and it's the crowd that makes the game an event. And I miss it too, and I miss it on television, particularly in baseball. You're right. There was a couple of particular directors. One of them was the, the one most famous was a guy named Bill Webb, who worked for the longest time for the New York Mets and the New York Yankees and then worked at Fox. He was the one who really did a great job of those great nail-biting shots or the rally cap shots or you know the tear in the eye as, as the team lost. Um, there's a, there was a real art to that and using the crowd to advantage to 
to be the third that third manager, the third commentator, uh, was a real art in baseball. John, one thing, actually, I was just talking to a buddy today who, who loves baseball but says, why, why do the games just seem to be taking longer and longer every year? Is that a problem for a television perspective? Because I do admit it, it has turned me off over the years that you can't seem to do nine innings in three hours or less, especially in the postseason. I, I think it's a huge problem. It might be baseball's biggest issue, um, you know, which is one of the reasons why they've uh, – uh, elected to go to placing a player on on second base in extra innings. Uh, you know the the biggest issue is because the science of baseball, the analytics, and the numbers uh, have allowed baseball to take that much longer. I mean, should we be having a clock on pitchers? Uh, you know, we know over the last decade it's been discussed. Um, and, and one of the reasons that. The NBA has become, in my opinion, so popular is because, you know, it's two hours and ten minutes. Uh, MLS, Major League Soccer, has grown in popularity because it's two hours. People's time is valuable. And the fact that, you know, baseball, amongst all the sports, is now three hours, three hours ten. And if you've got a Red Sox-Yankees game on a Sunday night on ESPN, it's 3.45. I mean, those are those are issues when it comes to trying to grow the sport uh, with a younger audience who have, like the rest of us, a bad case of ADD most of the time. Hey, John Shannon joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Now into the third inning, Justin Turner, a solo home run as the uh, Dodgers lead Tampa Bay 1-0. The series, of course, is tied 1-1. John, uh, we continue to to talk about the NHL. And look, there's, there's not a bunch of news. There's a bunch of speculation. Mike Russo with The Athletic had some notes uh, from Bill Daly today. And he did again bring up the possibility that perhaps it's gaining a little more traction again of, of having bubble cities, but but far more uh, far more freedom for the players. And the Canadian division is is still on the table. The GM meetings were today. I, I don't know if any if if you're hearing anything of, of note today, but I'll just kind of leave it uh, leave it for you there. Well, I, I think that what they do on a regular basis, just as they did uh, through um, April, May, and June was they they noodle everything they they take a they take a lot an eye at, at, at bubble situation i mean it wasn't long after uh, things started in edmonton toronto that the players association and the league met to talk about the you know those those bubbles that would force the players to be inside for two weeks and you'd play eight games in 14 days and then you would get an, an eight-day window outside and be able to go back to your family uh, so that it wouldn't wouldn't be as onerous as it was uh, th- through the Toronto and Edmonton bubbles this time around with the playoffs. Um, but I, I, you know, I think that there's a, a lot more pushback than people realize from a lot of teams that are saying we don't want to play if we can't generate local revenue, and local revenue means uh, sponsorships, local sponsorships, tickets concessions food and beverage uh that's where that's where teams make a lot of money uh, on a local basis and if you can't do that uh and you're relying just on league uh, disbursement then you've got an issue and you're you're talking about 55 percent of the revenue uh that you would normally have in order to try to figure out how to run a season and i think that that's something that a lot of the owners 
uh, would push back on and have pushed back on. Yeah, I, I'm not optimistic about January 1st, John, but I am optimistic that there will be a season because I just don't think... You, you can't go away for a year. I, I mean, it's risky that there's no CFL. U Sports is, is going away for a season, though maybe a lot of people would argue that U Sports had already gone away in their mind, but but I, I, I that's a tough loss for me. I love following the Golden Bears. And I don't think in the southern markets in, in the National Hockey League, maybe not just the southern markets, some American markets, maybe to be more fair, uh, you can afford to go away because people might find something else they're going to spend their money on or do with their time if there's no hockey for an entire season. I mean, I don't, I don't think, unfortunately, this is not like anything we've seen before, Reed. I mean, it, it's not like you know, the, the lockouts and the work stoppages we've seen in our lifetimes. Uh, we, we just don't know the curveball, the next curveball that COVID-19 is going to throw us. Uh, and and, and the, the, the responsibility that our government and our public health officials have in order to try to make it safe, not just for sports, but for everybody. So, I mean, let me take you, remember back to March, you know, that first week in March, I still remember reading stories out of Santa Clara County where the San Jose Sharks play. And we were talking about, well, it's only the Sharks that are going to be affected. Uh, And then it was another team going to be affected. And then it was the state of California going to be affected. We just do not know. And Gary Bettman, as wise as he is and as, as good as the, the judgment they made in creating the bubbles, they don't know yet. And neither does the NBA. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the NF, I'm not sure the NFL knows, and they're still playing. But they're, they seem to be bigger than anybody else. So I, I just think it's way too early to, to make a decision to say, okay, we got to play, we got to play this way, because we just don't know everything that's going on i mean the the uh the, the concept that is now being tried at the calgary airport and and at the border at, at Coos, um with uh with with the uh the, the rapid test if this works this could change a lot of things for for not only sports but business as a whole and it would be a huge positive but do we really know it works yet and the answer is we don't know yet well, and you, meant, you mentioned the NFL just moving forward and they've had to rearrange some games. And I was telling, uh, t- talking about yesterday, the Sunday nighter has been changed to the Seahawks-Cardinals game just in case they have to postpone the, uh, the Raiders and the Buccaneers because of some COVID issues for the Raiders. Let, let me, we started with broadcasting. I'll end with broadcasting Sunday night football. Uh, any experience with Al Michaels and whether you do or not, why has he worked for so long as a primetime guy in the NFL? Well, I, I, I've known Al for years uh, and uh, was very fortunate to uh, not only work with Al, but work with his brother David, who was uh, a longtime NBC producer and basically the, the the greatest figure skating producer that television has ever created. Uh, but I, I've known Al a long time, dating back to prior to the Calgary Olympics in 1988. Uh, and Michaels really works because he works harder than anybody else. Uh, and his efficiency of words is better than everybody else. I, I do a little teaching on the side, read, and I, I tell all my students, the higher in the food chain you go, the less you say and the more you mean. Well, Al Michaels is at the top of the food chain. 
He uses less words and makes more emphasis than anybody else in the business. And that's what keeps him working because he's so efficient and he's so entertaining and he's so informative with the simplest amount of words. That's a great summary. Yeah, I love watching him. Hey, John, I love having you on the show. Thanks for fitting us in on a Friday night. I always appreciate it. Hope everything is great in your world. And, of course, we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much for coming on. Have a good night, Reed. That is John Shannon checking in today, longtime broadcast executive in Canada, our NHL insider, and just an all-around fun guy to talk to. Uh, I love always getting into the chats about TV and broadcasting and all that kind of stuff with him. And, yeah, he summed it up there with the NHL. There's just so much we don't know, and he did take us back to, oh, yeah, well, San Jose, the Sharks might not allow fans for a few games. So how long is that going to last? Well, it's lasted a little while. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 780-496-0063 to call or text. We're coming right back. the Hart Trophy winner in the National Hockey League. Richard texting in, he says, I miss the crowds on TV in baseball the least, at least in the regular season. The stadiums are half empty anyways. I miss the crowd in hockey on television broadcast by far the uh, noise and the interaction. That is from Richard. Another texter says, uh, this is from Mike, he says, would you trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins with his contract coming to an end? Well, Mike, uh, I wouldn't, and I don't think the Oilers are going to do that. Uh, I mean, we've talked a few times. Ken Holland has said that there's been discussions between the Oilers and the Nugent Hopkins camp, his agent, about trying to get an extension done, and uh, maybe that gets done even before the next season starts. I, th- I think the Oilers' priority would be to keep the Nuge and uh, and not to trade him. But, no, I understand the question with uh, him going into the final year of his contract. 780-496-0063 is the number to both call and text. We have Grace on the line. Grace, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hi, Reed. I just wanted to talk a little bit about what John Shannon was saying, you know, his idea of, of losing fans. I have to disagree a little bit. I'm an Eskimo season ticket holder. I go to Oilers games whenever I have the opportunity in my pocket. want to empty out a little bit of my extra change. But, you know, if anything, I liken this situation to a teenage boy who uh, – is longing for the one girl he can't have. And that's how I'm feeling a little bit about getting back to being able to watch sports live. I can't wait. And if anything, the longer I'm away and, you know, this year not even getting a CF, I got to watch TV and, you know, the baseball right now. But I, I don't think fans are really, truly that fickle. 
And we're we're in a situation, yes, that's different from the lockouts and different from the strikes. And you know, often I wondered if we'd lose a lot of fans in those situations because they were more controlled and brought on by people and, and attitudes and, and fights. This is different. But I don't think it's going to be something that loses fans. If anything, sports has been one of the things we've turned to because even for myself, I'm also a person who's really passionate about the arts. I can't go to concerts. I can't go to different things, and I'm dying to get back to that too. And so, you know, I heard what you were saying, but I have to I have to take a little bit of issue and go, fans are still fans. And if anything, maybe, maybe developing stronger feelings about being able to be back in the seat and enjoying live events again. Well, I think you make some great points. I'll leave, I'll, we'll leave you on the line here, Grace, because i got a couple more minutes. I, I, here's how I feel. I, I think the National Hockey League in Canada is going to be fine because people are crazy for their favorite NHL team. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you have EE season tickets. I have EE season tickets. I, I have for uh, over 20 years now. I do worry about the Canadian Football League because attendance has been declining pretty steadily for about 15 years. I hope you're right. I hope people say, I just want to go to a football game again or any sporting event. But I do, I personally, I do worry about the leagues that aren't the most popular in their region because I think, you know, I think you're saying that absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I'm saying that sometimes long-distance relationships don't survive. <laughs> <laughs> true, true story. And uh, yeah, and sorry, sorry for not mentioning the team properly now as an EE. I'm still getting used to that. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, I guess maybe I feel that way. And you're, what you're saying is not everybody, not everybody necessarily will. But you know, this is. These circumstances are so unusual. Like, even when it came time for me to make a decision about my, my football tickets, about what to do with them, I just left them there, left the money in the bank so that the next season that we go, you know, I can watch the, the football games. And uh, I'm very optimistic that the league will still be there. Well, I do think the league. I do think the league will be there, and like I said, I just hope the fans are, are energized and, and ready to see the league again. Grace, I got to go for the news, but thank you so much for listening. That was an awesome phone call. Thank you for your thoughts. Yeah, have a great night. All right, Inside Sports on six thirty, Chad. She called seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can do the same if you like. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on six thirty, Chad.